God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and today we have another special guest, Jameson Stewart. Jameson, it's good to have you with us on the podcast today, and would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Oh yeah, I appreciate you having me, Chase. Uh, my name's Jameson Stewart. I've uh, been preaching at the Smithville Church of Christ in Smithville, Mississippi for almost two and a half years now. I'm married to Ashley. Been married since June of 2013. We've got three kids, uh, Nate, Kaysen, and Ava Drew. Uh, we've been uh, we've been very blessed and very thankful uh, for our children. Uh, Chase was, if I remember right, you were I think you were the class ahead of me at middle school of preaching. We both graduated from there together. I graduated June of 2018. I think you were the year right before me. That's right. 2017. But, uh, there you go. Uh, really enjoying that opportunity uh, to get to do that. Uh, get to know guys in your class. And, uh, it was a really good opportunity, but thankful you had me on today. And uh, did you do some work with uh, GBM, Gospel Broadcasting Network? Yeah, um, worked with them back before middle school preaching. Worked with them for about two and a half years, roughly. Um, Really enjoyed that. Uh, great group of folks there, and they sure do a lot of good. Uh, thankful to, and, you know, been able to work with them for as long as I did. Absolutely. And um, did you do, like, camera work and stuff, or is that right? Yeah, um, well, I, I did some of the bookkeeping. I did uh, I did some of the work in the studio, running camera. Uh, different guests would come in, and usually they would need a person or two running camera, and some of the times that was me, so I uh, got to go on a few different trips with them at uh, different locations and run camera. That was pretty that was pretty neat, pretty fun. I get to go do some of those things. But, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, it, was, it was a great opportunity, and uh, I learned a lot. Uh, do it again for sure in a heartbeat. But, uh, but, yeah, really enjoyed getting to do that. Good deal. That's certainly a, a very invaluable experience, I'm sure, and, uh, Jameson also has a podcast, which will be a part of our Scattered Abroad Network. A podcast, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, a podcast is called Asking God Why. Uh, what I have been doing and what I generally try to do is just go through a book of the Bible, uh, sometimes maybe very in-depth, sometimes maybe just kind of hitting the high points. And we approach a book of the Bible asking the question, why? Um, for example, we went through the book of Job, have been going through the book of Job, uh, and have been asking the question, why do good people suffer? Um, and as we go through the book, really just showing that God does provide an answer to that question. It may not always be the answers that we thought we'd find, but God does provide answers to many of the questions that we have if we'll just take the time to go through his word and consider what he says. Right, and so that's certainly an excellent resource, and uh, I like the way that you do that podcast as far as uh, you really can can kind of have a Bible study 
uh, of that book of the Bible. And, and uh, you're going to kind of change the format a little bit going into your next season. Is that right? Yeah, going into the next season, um, we go to the book of Matthew. Uh, won't be able to go, like going through Job, I pretty much essentially uh, read and discussed every single bit of the book of Job. Won't have the ability to do that with Matthew, but still going to go through that book. Uh, not necessarily verse by verse, but still hitting the high points and summarizing as we go through that. Kind of out, um, kind of outlining I, it and stuff. Yeah, kind of outlining it, helping to break it down for people, seeing how it connects together. Um, I really, I really believe that. You know, I tell folks all the time is you know the vast majority of scripture is really not that difficult to understand. It will just take the time to slow down and really pay attention to what we're reading. Most of it, I mean, sure, you can get off into some stuff in Scripture and Revelation and some of the, the prophets that uh, can be very confusing, but most of it is really not that difficult to understand if we pay attention to what we're doing. Um, and so a lot of that podcast, too, is really just showing people that, you know, you, know, you can understand this book. Well, that's certainly something that we all need to consider, and I appreciate you bringing that that point out that we can't understand the Bible. Um, is it? Don't you also have a a podcast or like a TV program or like an online program that you've done with uh, Drew Suttles? Yeah, uh, Drew and I have. We've done just, I guess, one season of it. Um, we were planning to do a second season at some point. All this with COVID has kind of put a halt on, uh, I think, not just our plans, but a lot of folks' plans. Right. Uh, but it's called uh, Finding Jesus Today. Um, and it's really geared towards, you know, trying to help people in their search for the Lord. A lot of people are looking. Uh, a lot of people don't really know what they're looking for, but they are searching. Um, and, and that program is really geared towards trying to just present Jesus as Scripture does uh, and help people in their search for Him. Uh, so that's on, I think those videos, it's on Facebook, it's also on GBN's YouTube uh, right. page. You can find them on there. Good deal. So both of these, uh, Asking God Why and Finding Jesus Today, excellent programming that you, as a listener, hopefully uh, I would recommend to you, and, and I can put these uh, resources in the show notes. Uh, so you can see Jameson's work there. And you and uh, Drew kind of, uh, Drew was on my last couple of episodes. You and him are kind of pretty close, aren't y'all? Good friends? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, most weeks, it doesn't happen every week because we're both pretty busy, but I usually try to talk to him. Uh, pretty much, we usually try to talk about once a week. Things we, we're preaching, things we're studying, we talk football. Uh, right. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're going through school. Um, we were close going through school and, and we've, we've tried to, to stay in touch. I'm sure you probably have a, a few guys that you went through school with that you're close to and you try to keep in touch with. And, Absolutely. Yeah, Drew and, and a few others that I, I try to keep in touch with on a regular basis. Um, but it's amazing how, how close of friends you become with, especially with some of the guys. 
guys you go through school with. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, Drew's one of those guys uh, for me, for sure. And my wife and Brittany are really good friends as well. So right, uh, we don't get to see them there as much as we wish we could. But but uh, but yeah, we 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 definitely stay in touch. <laughs> right. Well, thankfully we have the technology to be able to do so. And you know, one of the things I really really loved about school, I guess, two things. Or three. I mean, I could keep going on and on, but number one, uh, certainly the instructors and the invaluable, um, you know, influence that they had upon us. And I think like, you know, Garland Elkins and what an amazing impact he had just on his humility. And I think of, well, you know, I could list all of them and we don't have time for that, but just wonderful impacts that they've had on us. And I also think of, you know, in all of the, the Bible verse memorization and Text, textual studies verse by verse. We learned so much, uh, you know, theology, but even more so, we learned how to study the Bible. And I think that was just uh, invaluable, you know, just so important that we got uh, from preaching school. And then the last thing is those friendships that you mentioned. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to go to preaching school. And uh, the Brotherhood has some excellent preaching schools, not just Memphis School of Preaching, but some others as well. And I just highly recommend that experience. Uh, it certainly impacted me and, and my wife, and I'm sure you and your wife and, and others, uh, tremendously. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a great experience. Uh, I'm glad I did it. It was hard. Um, but, but, uh, but I, I'm sure glad that I did it. And yeah, um, Memphis is just a school we have experience with. So right. Speaking from experience there, but yeah, uh, really enjoyed. sure uh, it, it was just it was awesome and just definitely enjoyed that I, I would not take back those two years for anything I, I'd love to go revisit those years <laughs> and it's been it's been uh, well over three years since I graduated over over two since you graduated and um, definitely look at those years very very fondly Sure. Um, so, 
Definitely. I just want to make that. For sure. And, you know, we're kind of ambassadors for, for the school, but, you know, at Memphis, but certainly um, there are other good sound uh, schools of preaching and schools of biblical studies in the Brotherhood as well. So definitely, if you have the opportunity, if you have the desire, I say go for it. And I know that you would, would say the same as well. So kind of enough about us. We want to get into the topic for today. And Jameson, I don't know about you, but with everything that has happened this year, I could certainly use some holiday spirit. <laughs> so we're going to talk about everyday Christians and holidays today. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah, that'll work. All right. Well, considering that's what I got you to uh, prepare for, that's probably a good thing. So, <laughs> But uh, we certainly want to look at this from a balanced perspective. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of controversy surrounding holidays. You know, should we celebrate this? Should we not celebrate this? And certainly we're not trying to stir up controversy in talking about this, but this is a relevant topic. And as this episode is uh, scheduled to come out on October the 26th, we've got holidays coming up. And so that's something I wanted to talk about. Um, we do want to discuss what the Bible has to say about these, and we want to make comments that are relevant to this discussion. Some of this is going to fall into the realm of opinion, and we've kind of done a lot of that uh, in various topics on the podcast lately, but uh, the Bible does talk about matters of opinion and, and how those things should be handled, so it is an important thing for us to discuss. Uh, some of this will be just plain facts that are historically proven and we need to be aware of, need to be careful about, um, and we'll try to distinguish between opinion versus facts versus theology and so on, um, but we do want to kind of mainly have a theological discussion in this, and certainly there's going to be some practical applications that we all need to make um, from this study, but we'll kind of let the listener draw those appropriate conclusions, and hopefully uh, what we talk about today can help with that. Now, I will say this disclaimer, inevitably when studying these sources of information that we're going to talk about with some of these holidays, uh, some of the information from ancient times is disputed. And for instance, some of the information kind of comes from oral traditions that were handed down and eventually written down at some later date. And that can be a source of dispute at times. Some of the origins of these holidays we'll kind of get into briefly. Uh, there can be some room for dispute there. Uh, but there's also historical facts that we can look at. There's also, uh, more importantly, Bible facts that we can look at that can help us navigate uh, the holidays and all the various issues that can come up with this discussion. So uh, anything you'd like to add to that, Jameson, before we kind of get into the origin of holidays? Absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and, and get into the first point, and that is the origin of holidays. And the first sub-point of this is we want to talk about, in the Bible, uh, the origin of 
quote-unquote holidays. Jameson, are there any holidays mentioned in the Bible? And maybe if I phrase it this way, are there any holy days, which is really what that term holiday uh, derived from, are there any holy days mentioned in the Bible? Yeah, well, well, thinking about yeah, the holy days, um, probably first is a good idea for us to think about, okay, what what, what does holy mean? Um, something or someone um, that is holy uh, is something or someone that has been set apart for a specific purpose. So, in thinking about this, the idea of like a day, a holy day is a day that has been set aside or set apart. It's kind of, uh, it, it's been set apart as a distinct day. Consecrated. Purpose, or, yeah, consecrated uh, would be a way of thinking about it. It's been set aside and it's been done for a, a certain reason. Um, we look to the Bible and we think about that which is holy. Um, only God has the authority to declare what is and what isn't holy. Um, an example of that we find out very quickly um, in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, uh, when Nadab and Abihu um, come to offer uh, an offering, and the, the text says that they bring strange fire that the Lord had not commanded them. And because of that, God was angry if he sent fire down to consume them. And it's interesting what God says in response to what happens and to what he did. Uh, Moses told Aaron, here's what God said. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So God says this happened because essentially they came before me offering this strange fire in an unholy way. So we think about then what God says is holy. God is the only one who has the authority to do that, and we must respect what he says. Um, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add, add to that, but if that was initially in thinking about you know what's holy, and I guess uh, that that's kind of what jumped to my mind. Right, and um, for instance, Nadab and Abihu, they offered the strange fire. New King James says unauthorized fire, I believe. And that's the idea, as you said, God and only God can determine what is holy and what is not. What is set apart as, as righteous, as, as holy, as sanctified, and what is not. And certainly Nadab and Abihu uh, offered to God what was not. And... Um, you know, unfortunately, tendency of of most men is to offer that which is profane rather than what is holy before God. And uh, we can even get into that uh, with the, the subject for today. Um, if we're not careful, we can take things that are uh, relatively benign, you know, a celebration, and we can make things uh, profane and celebrate things that we really shouldn't celebrate. We might get into that a little bit. Um, but as we kind of transition back to what the Bible says about these various holy days, if you will, um, Jameson, I, I see on your outline you've got, uh, well, from Leviticus chapter 23, the various feast days that uh, Moses had commanded. 
Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, there, there were. So in thinking about these holy days, and some of them took up more than one day. Right. Um, but you had several that God gave the children of Israel, the, the, the Israelites. Uh, there you had Passover, uh, unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of First Fruits, Pentecost, the Feast of Wheat, the uh, Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booth, and, and there was a there was a specific reason and purpose behind all of these. For example, um, the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Booths, it was to remind the children of Israel of the time that they spent in tents while they were wandering in the wilderness. And it was to remind them, oh yeah, we, we haven't always been in the Promised Land. Uh, we used to be out here wandering. And there was a reason for that. They had to wonder because they had rejected what God had told them. But it was to remember that. You know, Passover was ultimately to remember, going all the way back to the book of Exodus, they were supposed to remember how God passed over them and ultimately then brought them out, led them out of Egypt, out of captivity, out of bondage. So these, these holy days, they were set aside for a specific purpose, and it was they needed to be remembering something while they celebrated this, while they had these feasts or, or these different things. Um, later on, the Jews added uh, and celebrated Hanukkah, uh, also called the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Light, and Purim. Uh, and there were specific reasons that those were set aside uh, for specific reasons as well. It's kind of like a national holiday, we might say. Yeah, yeah, a lot like uh, it was kind of a national celebration. Um, but they they all had specific meaning and purpose behind them. Right. Uh, I think also the Sabbath day, which is also mentioned in Leviticus 23, and that was really a yeah. weekly observance. Uh, that was a special right. day uh, for the Jews, um, and we can get into this a little bit. Um, of all the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day was one that was not brought over into the New Testament. And this is one important distinction we need to talk about, and that is we're under the New Testament. We're not under the Old Testament. And when we get to Colossians here in a little bit, and we get to Romans chapter 14, uh, we're going to talk about how, um, for instance, let's say a, a Jewish Christian uh, convert might have difficulty with these Old Testament uh, ordinances, and how do you deal with those? Well, we're going to talk about those in a little bit, and that can kind of help us as we kind of uh, struggle with the idea of, of holidays, and you know, we get into their origin stories and this and that, and that can kind of help us uh, as we determine the right course of action today. So we've discussed the various holy days, these holy convocations that Leviticus 23 mentions in uh, in Jewish history. Now, what about holidays just in terms of, you know, the Romans, the Greeks, uh, other pagan cultures? Uh, what would you say about those holidays that uh, were also celebrated in ancient times? kind of looking that up, what I found was uh, they had a whole lot of different holidays. 
in those ancient Greek Roman cultures. Um, they were often called festivals then, um, and very often they would be held um, in honor of some idol god. Um, most of them were somewhat religious in nature. You know, a, a lot of these festivals, um, the priest or the priestess of a certain idol god would be involved perhaps in this feast, you know, maybe it's something around harvest time, and they'll, there's this feast, you know, hoping that, that, that their idol god over harvest will bless that. And so most of their feasts were in some way tied to, connected to religion, and they had a whole bunch of them. Just as they had a whole lot of idol gods, so they had a whole lot of these festivals as well. Right. And we're going to make some, some comments on that, uh, in a moment because there are a lot of Christians and that, you know, that kind of gives, gives pause to the idea of holidays. And we certainly understand that. Uh, but we're going to make some comments on that in a little bit. Um, I have a resource before me from La Vista Church of Christ, a preacher there by the name of Jeffrey Hamilton. Now, just by way of disclaimer, I would not agree with, with Brother Hamilton on everything that he says on his website seems to come from kind of a, a non-institutional type background, and, and I have disagreement with, with those ideas. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the La Vista Church of Christ page does have a very excellent question and answer kind of format to it that I really like, and, um, you know, a lot of really good information there that I do agree with. Again, not all of it. Um, but one thing that he has in his section on holidays, he has an article called holiday observances, and he quotes from a Philip Schaff uh, who wrote a, a resource called History of the Christian Church, uh, third period, uh, from A.D. 311 to 590, uh, the church year. He says Mr. Schaff, Mr. Schaff says that it was the strong desire to imitate the feast found in the Old Testament, uh, and perhaps even, I would add, these uh, pagan feasts, that spurred Christians to create their own celebrations. Now, when we talk about some things that are celebrated today, uh, even religiously, we're not going to find these religious observances in the New Testament. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate them as a, a national holiday or as a time for, for friends and family and that sort of thing. But from a religious standpoint, we need to be extremely careful about that uh, we don't want to do things that are not authorized uh, in a religious way. And I want to read from Colossians 2, which uh, which he talks about in this article. Colossians 2, verse 14, says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, or the King James says ordinances, uh, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That is in reference to the old law, the Old Testament, the law of Moses, whatever you want to call it, being nailed to Jesus' cross. And later on in this passage, which we're going to get into more depth in a little bit, but he says, uh, Let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Paul is saying that you know those festivals, uh, the, the ones authorized in the Old Testament, they were for a purpose, and they were to point toward Christ. Now, uh, can we observe them as a commandment, as a religious commandment in the New Testament? No. Uh, but as we're going to get into later, 
Uh, some were still observing observing them as kind of a, a national type holiday or or what have you. But uh, also in this resource, uh, again, he quotes from Mr. Schaff. He says, Mr. Schaff continues to explain that in the 4th century, the Christmas festival festival was added to the two former feasts, uh, Easter and Pentecost, and in particular replaced the earlier Feast of Epiphany, uh, a celebration of the birth and baptism of Jesus. Now, am I glad that people are thinking about Christ during December? Sure am. I'm glad that they're thinking about him. But can we command it as a religious uh, practice? We'll know the New Testament doesn't command that. And uh, references, Revelation 22, 18, Proverbs 30, verse 6, Galatians 1, 8 through 9, all of these point to the general biblical principle of not adding to, not subtracting from the religious ordinances of God, and for us today, specifically from the New Testament. Would you like to add anything to that? No, I mean, I think that that, that pretty well hits the nail on the head um, as far as that goes. Um, and we'll kind of... Yeah. I, I was just going to say, we'll kind of get into Colossians 2 Yes. Yeah, we're going to get into Colossians uh, 2 and Romans 14 and those passages, and and we'll hit those in more detail uh, in a little bit because it's really important when we're dealing with these kind of of murky situations. Right, yeah, absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add to that? No, and I think what he had said there was especially, you know, like you said, we'll, we'll get to that more here in a little bit, but can it be required as a a commandment? Right. Uh, that that's going to be you know kind of I guess for folks kind of I think it's you know stick a pin in that we're going to come back to it. Right. Um, but that's going to be something that's key moving forward in the discussion. Right. And one thing that you mentioned regarding the pagan festivals uh, being done in honor of idolatrous gods or goddesses, obviously we cannot condone. Uh, doing something to honor an idolatrous god or goddess. And uh, you also think about some gross immorality that was often involved, uh, debauchery, things of that nature. We can't participate in those kind of things um, as Christians. But as we kind of transition from uh, holy days in the Bible, holy days or holidays in ancient cultures, festivals, uh, what about our culture today? How does our culture generally see uh, a holiday? Well, here in the, I know you may have some listeners that aren't in the United States, but in the United States, um, our holidays are generally, I think we generally look at them as kind of a time off from work, um, hopefully, right. for some folks, um, a time off from work in order to spend more time with family or, you know, to go have fun, you know, kind of take a weekend off and just kind of do what you want. Um, yeah, I think generally speaking, that kind of the significance, even of holidays nowadays that have, you know, technically speaking, there's supposed to be something important behind that. Um, you know, generally, I don't know that the normal person really thinks about the significance behind even most of the holidays we have nowadays. Also, in, in our culture, um, that's become less religious over the years. Right. Um, I was thinking about our holidays, and, and a lot of them, 
are not religious at all. Uh, right. Nothing wrong with that, just for whatever reason, a lot of our holidays, there's no religious significance to them at all. For example, I uh, thought of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, thought of Memorial Day. I mean, there's no, those, there's no religious significance to those days at all. Those are days actually kind of more of a, to remember individuals or to remember an individual to kind of, uh, kind of establish their memory right. in our nation's culture is really what that's more for than anything else. Right. Um, so uh, most of our connections in the United States, most of our holidays have, have no connection to religion of any sort in this country. Right. They do, but I would say most of them do not. Right, just a general secularization of, of society. Um, you think of Independence Day, you think of uh, Labor Day and Groundhog Day. I mean, all kinds of little holidays that are, like you said, not religious. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned was time off from work. And, you know, really, that's a biblical concept. In fact, uh, we keep going back to Le- Leviticus chapter 23. Those various festivals uh, or, or holy convocations that were mentioned, uh, that were the Jewish festivals each year. Uh, those were extremely important days. And you keep reading through Leviticus chapter 23, and what you're going to read is it was important for them to rest, uh, to not do any work therein, the Bible says. And so that is a biblical uh, concept that is certainly a good thing uh, about holidays and, and the general practice thereof. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and some of those feasts for the, for the Israelites and Jews, they actually even had to travel. Um, so, so, I mean, not only are you going to have to be, obviously, off from work, but, you know, you're packing up and going out of town. Right. Um, for some of those feasts, they had to actually go to uh, to Jerusalem to celebrate that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Right. And so uh, any of our listeners who, uh, let's say, live three, four, or five states away from family, that's no excuse. you still got to go travel for the holidays. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I think we've covered those bases pretty well. Let's, let's talk about some holidays in specific. And there's three that I've got picked out that I think are probably the most talked about uh, in Christian circles, and that is Christmas, Easter, and Halloween, and those are all, well, Christmas and Halloween are coming up, uh, Easter is a little further away, but I want to talk about these specifically, and since Halloween is right around the corner, let's talk about that one first and, and work our way uh, back. Now, we want to talk about the origin of each holiday, and then, number two, whether or not Christians can participate in these, and if so, to what extent should we uh, participate? Um. As a general statement to preface this, uh, the origin of these holidays, not so good. But just because the origin is bad doesn't mean that what they have become uh, in a modern sense uh, it isn't bad. Now, maybe some aspects of it could be bad. Uh, for instance, we'll talk about Halloween. You know, if you go to the Halloween party and everybody's drinking and, and dressing in immodest costumes, well, that would be bad. Uh, but I'm not going to say that it's wrong to to have a time for kids to to gather candy and that sort of thing. So, um, but kind of the origin of of Halloween 
And again, we need to pause and think about this. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, has what's called All Saints Day on November 1st. And then uh, the day before that, October 31st, uh, All Hallows Eve. And if I understand correctly, we're, we're talking about those who uh, are departed. And, uh, you know, the Catholic Church, they only have certain people that they call saints. Of course, we know that the Bible teaches that any Christian uh, who's living the way a Christian is supposed to be living is a saint, uh, a sanctified one, a holy one, uh, peculiar people, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but basically, they celebrate those saints on November 1st, and then the, the day before, if I understand correctly, they're celebrating uh, specifically, they're kind of talking about the, the death aspect of it. And Anyways, that kind of thought process kind of merged with uh, a Celtic holiday, which is called Samhain, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right. I might not be, but uh, it's S-A-M. H-E-I-N, Samhain. And this was a holiday that was celebrating the end of harvest time, uh, the transition into winter, uh, the darker time of year. Uh, they would light bonfires. They'd celebrate uh, in typical pagan ways, of course. Uh, the souls of the dead were said to come visit their families during this time. Uh, during feast during this time, they would have a, a special place at, at the table that they would reserve for their departed loved ones. Um, the, the Celtic version of trick-or-treating, we might say, was practiced, and um, I'm not saying that there isn't a difference between their version and, and modern, ver modern versions of that. There definitely is. Uh, but what they would do is they would dress up like something called the, the AOC, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, A-O-S-S-I, and that was basically supernatural elves. And they would go door to door and they would recite a, a poem or a song in exchange for food. So that's kind of the origin story of Halloween. Obviously, we don't agree with the pagan aspects of it. Um, but kind of, Jameson, have you given any thought to any of the other aspects of the origin of it? Yeah, um, it, it was basically, I mean, obviously, here, here in our world today, um, it's interesting looking back. Um, religion, I mean, yes, it was idolatry, but that used to be a bigger part of people's lives. Um, as we move forward in, in the world, the United States and other countries around the world have really been pushing back against religion. What we have found is that, okay, Halloween, there's not a lot of religious aspects associated with Halloween anymore. Right. You know, it, it's the consumer appeal. It's, you know, you have all these costumes for sale and all this candy for sale. It's all about money now. Right. Uh, which I guess is a, a god in and of itself. Um, to some folks. Um, right. But, but anyway, it, it, it kind of came about, yeah, and the Catholic denomination, um, they would often kind of merge different ideas and, you know, we want these folks to kind of feel welcome into the Catholic denomination so we know they have a holiday around this time. Well, let's kind of Christianize it, so to speak, and call it something else but bring some of those aspects over. Right. And so that's kind of how uh, they, they 
they would just kind of swallow up, the Catholic denomination would, what these pagan idolatrous countries and cultures were doing. So <laughs> to try to, I guess, make them more comfortable becoming Catholic. Right, and I've heard I've heard that explanation. I've also heard a kind of a opposite explanation of the Catholics made something quote unquote pure, and then the pagans came and adopted it themselves. Either way, the point is we don't want to celebrate uh, the pagan aspects of it, right? Right. But but also I think this, uh, unless you're a Wiccan, you know, like like a a Satanist, you're probably not observing Halloween religiously. In, in yeah. those same pagan ways. Now, are there, you know, a few little pagan elements that have kind of crept in throughout the years? Uh, sure. And I think we need to, as a way of caution, I think we need to be careful about that. You know, celebrating the idea of fear. You know, I used to love watching scary movies. And besides the fact that a lot of those scary movies have a lot of immoral content in it, I really don't think we need to celebrate the idea of fear uh, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, perfect love that comes from God cast out fear. Uh, the fearful are going to be among those who are cast into into uh, torment. So we need to be you know cautious of that. And you know, death is kind of celebrated uh, by some with with this holiday, and we do not want to celebrate that which is punishment for sin. Um, you know, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Uh, darkness even sometimes celebrated in kind of a, a pagan way. We, we wouldn't want to participate in that aspect of this. You know, God is light, and him, in him is, is uh, no darkness at all, 1 John 1, verse 5. Uh, the macabre, the grotesque, witchcraft, divination, occult, all these kinds of things that are uh, included in the, the works of the flesh and, and condemned in, in the Bible, we wouldn't want to celebrate those kind of things, but am I going to say that some, you know, that a Christian family can't uh, receive candy going door to door? Well, no, I'm not. Uh, am I going to say that a uh, a Christian family can't dress up their children as a you know a princess or a firefighter, or those sorts of things? No. So you know, kind of the benign aspects of this, neutral aspects of this, certainly, I don't see. Uh, biblical precedent for condemning uh, those things. I, I do see biblical precedent for condemning, you know, paganism and that sort of thing. And so we just got to be careful. Uh, would you add anything to that, Jameson? Your, your warning there to, you know, just, just for folks to be careful and to, to pay attention to things. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what we're doing here. Right. We're just trying to um, just trying to get people to think about some things. Uh, you know, don't, you know, one way or the other, right? You know, we don't know what side of this you fall on. It's just trying to get people to, to honestly consider some things and to think about things perhaps that you haven't thought of before. Right, exactly. And, um, if, if you talk to Christian A, Christian B, Christian C, Christian D on this, you're probably going to get different nuances of, of this. Um, you know, and that's okay. We we all have to work out our own salvation in, in fear and trembling with these kinds of issues. And again, don't celebrate um, something that's obviously sinful as part of 
a holiday. I mean, we obviously can't do that. Uh, but some people would say, well, I'm just going to throw out the holiday altogether. I'm not going to celebrate the holiday at all. And, you know, if, if their conscience is telling them to do that, well, then by all means, they need to do that. But others would say, um, you know, I can celebrate this, this holiday and take the, the good, the, the benign things from it and celebrate those things without taking the bad things and celebrating those. Yeah. Right. Uh, anything else you'd like to add on, on Halloween before we move to uh, Easter? I'm good to move on to, to the others. Okay. Um, so with the origin of Easter, again, um, you could probably talk about you know Catholicism. Typically, as practiced um, as a religious holiday, you know, once a year, it's uh, observing Jesus' resurrection, celebrating that. Uh, oftentimes there might be a special sunrise service celebrating that. Uh, the Lord's Supper might be observed, and oftentimes it might only be observed that day, that Sunday. Um, reading of the crucifixion passages, which are certainly important passages that we need to read uh, often, uh, not just on Easter. Um, reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a very important passage on, on the resurrection. Um these kind of things are, are incorporated into uh, the modern practice of, of Easter. And, and then also, you know, you throw in the Easter bunny, you throw in Easter eggs, you throw in uh, Easter dresses and uh, those sorts of things. They're incorporated as well. So that's kind of the, the modern uh, practice of it, if you will. Um, Jameson, are, are we commanded to, to observe Easter in the Bible? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think um, what I, what I generally try to do usually around Easter, whatever Sunday that falls on, um, is I know that there's going to be people there who are probably not there, you know, maybe any other time of the year. Um, the resurrection is something that. Regardless of what Sunday it is, right. you had better be thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, Absolutely. That is part of just taking the Lord's Supper, which we find going through the book of Acts is something that we do every first day of the week. So the resurrection is something that it's not, it's not something that's just supposed to be focused on one time a year. It's supposed to be something that as Christians, it's on our minds, I would say, more than, you know, hopefully we think about the resurrection just more than once a week, but certainly every time we come to worship God upon the first day of the week, the resurrection has to be involved in our worship. Right. In eating the Lord's Supper, we need to be thinking about that. Many sermons are going to bring that aspect in, um, that Jesus is the resurrected Lord and Savior, so... Um, as far as Easter goes, that's one, I mean, I, there's other things as well, but to me, that's one big aspect of it, aspect of it that is really quite unfortunate because it's many people in, you know, 
Christendom that the Dolphin called. Uh, you know, I, I guess they are, you know, I guess they think that the only time to really give a lot of significance to the resurrection is on Easter, and that's just not the case. Right. Um, that's something that ought to be at the forefront of, that's, that's something that is at the forefront of Christianity. Um, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 15. Paul makes the point there that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then Christianity as a whole is pointless. Right. It, it's completely empty of meaning if Jesus is not raised from the dead. So it's, it, it, it's not something that, oh, hey, this is nice and we need to think about this once a year. It's like, no, without this, Faith is totally empty. It yep. means nothing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the biggest lie that's ever been told if the resurrection is not true. Right. Um, and, and, and I think we, not we, but the Christian world in general significantly downplays the importance of the resurrection when we pull out one Sunday a year to talk about it. Um, I, I know there's other issues with Easter, but to me personally, that's one of the bigger issues I have with it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> is, is that problem is we don't need to miss truly, and usually on Easter I preach a sermon along those lines, it's just, it is the significance of the resurrection and what that's supposed to mean to us week in and week out and day in and day out. Right. Not just on Easter. Right. But every day the resurrection is supposed to mean something. Um so um but anyway that that's I guess that's kind of my, my thoughts on Easter. Uh see whatever you have in your mind on that. Well you you brought out probably the most emphatic point that I would raise too and, and that is that it's not something that we celebrate once a year as New Testament Christians. Um, Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. And uh, we think back to Acts 20, verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, in that context, the, the breaking of bread is talking about the Lord's Supper, communion. And they did that when? On the first day of the week. Now, if you look at and uh, Exodus chapter 20, in the Ten Commandments, when they were to observe observe the Sabbath, it says you're to observe uh, on the seventh day of the week. And can you, can you see any Jew saying, well, it doesn't say every Sabbath day. It doesn't say every seventh day of the the week, so I'm just going to do it once a year. Well, no, of course not. It's it's implied that every Sabbath day you are to remember it and keep it holy. Well, the same grammar, if you will, is needs to be emphasized with Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, well, how many weeks each year have a first day? Every single one of them. Uh, 52 weeks in the year have a first day. And so Christians... And this was historically backed up uh, in in early Christianity. They did it every first day of the week. They observed the Lord's Supper. They reflected on the sacrifice of Christ and ultimately his resurrection and 
ascension into heaven, which, as you said, gives us hope. And without that, we'd be, as Paul says, of all men most miserable. What would be the point? There would be no point. So absolutely, we've got to celebrate that uh, every first day of the week. And particularly, we do that when we we partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, Now, Easter, the word Easter itself, is mentioned in the King James Version, at least, in Acts 12, verse 4. Uh, That passage says, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, a lot of times when we would bring up that, you know, technically the modern concept of of Easter and celebrating the resurrection one day a year uh, is not biblical, when we bring this up, somebody will say, well, Easter's in the Bible. Well, actually, the King James got that one wrong. Um, Other English translations correctly translate that as uh, Passover which is what the original Greek uh, is saying there. So certainly there's there's not a mention of a yearly celebration of the resurrection uh, in the Bible, key word being yearly. Uh, we read about that weekly observance in Acts 20, verse 7. Now, yeah, but, go ahead. Yeah, what, what I was just going to, I guess, somewhat uh, tongue-in-cheek is, Yeah, yeah, I just don't understand that mindset. Um, and well, and I, and, and I think it, and I and I try to, I mean, I try to emphasize this to folks too. I think, I think part of the reason a lot of the world today is so turned off by quote unquote Christian culture is because they see it as something like you know it's. Christmas and Easter, and that's it for you. Right. You know, it's like it's, you know, you know, you claim that this is your whole life, and yada, 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 but it's not. It's pushed um, to the back burner. Yeah, it, it's on the back burner, except for two times a year. Right. Um, and even, you know, people who aren't religious see right through that facade of, you know, you know, Jesus is your whole life. Well, no, he's not. Right. You know, even someone who's not religious at all sees right through that. Right. Um, and I think that's a lot because that kind of, like I say, quote unquote, Christianity, it's so popular in our world today. Right. The the convenient Christianity. Right. Um, and it's just like that's not what the Bible teaches, and and that's not what people in the world are interested in at all. Right. Um, and Easter and the the way many people look at Easter and Christmas plays into that. Um, it's kind of a you know get your get your religion on here a couple times a year, and so long as you do this, hey, you know, you're good to go. It's just like that's not it. It really does so much to take away from what Christianity is supposed to be all about. Right. From what the Bible teaches Christianity to be. Right. Um, but um, that's kind of my thoughts on Easter. Right. And and we don't want to paint with too broad a brush and say that all uh, 
quote unquote Christians act that way, feel that way. You know, there are sincere people um, that are, you know, still in religious error, but are sincere and and live out their version of it, if you will. Uh, but there are a lot of people who do only uh, darken the doors of a church building on Christmas and Easter. And when the world sees that, it, it really cheapens Christianity uh, in their eyes, and it's just not a good look on Christianity. Um, as far as the origin of Easter, we can get into this just a little bit. Uh, Eoster, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, was the, the Celtic goddess that was involved. Uh, Ishtar, the Babylonian goddess uh, of fertility and, and sex. And uh, I've heard that, uh, you know, a lot is written about the etymology of the name Easter. And certainly uh, it looks like it could be that 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 name came from those goddesses, uh, and and certainly uh, that is disputed by some, um, but it could be the case. And and if it is, we certainly don't want to celebrate the the goddess uh, Yoster or or Ishtar. We we wouldn't want to do that. Um, and and you know you might talk about some paganism that might have been incorporated in this holiday. Well. Again, like we said with Halloween, take the pagan things out of it, and, uh, you know, is it wrong to go hunt Easter eggs? No, I don't believe that. Uh, there may be some Christians who do think that, and uh, in their judgment, if that's what, they, what they're determining, uh, then if their conscience is saying that, well, I can understand that. Um, but I don't think it's wrong to, to do that. Um, but again, kind of the main point we want to make here is let's not cheapen the resurrection of Christ by only preaching on it, by only thinking about it one time a year in this holiday uh, of Easter. Well, we've got, we've got one more we want to talk about, and that's Christmas. And one thing about Christmas and, you know, a lot of times you, you hear people say, well, let's get back to the original meaning of Christmas, and we'll get into that. Um, but one thing I do think about Christmas, and, you know, I've been called a Grinch or a Scrooge or what have you, but I do think that we've, we've kind of made it way too materialistic, and we need yeah. to be careful about that. I'm not saying it's wrong to give gifts or anything like that, but let's not put too much... Yeah, Thanksgiving, I mean, you have a meal about being thankful for everything you've been blessed with, and then two hours later, you go beat down the doors of Walmart to get the yeah. get the $50 off well, the big TV or whatever. Right. <laughs> well, well, and it all also goes back to, as we were mentioning earlier, is our society has become more and more you know, secular in nature and, I think, very materialistic. Right. You know, um, and so even a holiday, yeah, that, you know, Thanksgiving is supposed to be thankful. Christmas is kind of about the, you know, uh, giving gifts and yeah, it, it's very commercialized. Right. Um, and it's very easy to get caught up with all that, for sure. For sure. But then you've got the other end of the spectrum and that is those who say, all right, well, let's put Christ back in you know, Christ Mass, which is kind of the, the origin of the, the term. Um, but I would 
I would have a problem with that too, in the sense that uh, Christmas is not something that is again commanded in the New Testament. In fact, uh, you know, we have passages about Christ's birth. But we're not told to to celebrate it yearly. Um, we're not given a date. Uh, there's some historical inaccuracies that have kind of been incorporated into Christmas and uh, seemingly as insignificant as those historical inaccuracies might be, still we don't want to celebrate inaccuracy. We, we need to be precise with our handling of, of the scripture. Um, December 25th in particular comes from Saturnalia uh, is, is what I've I've seen uh, as I've studied this, and the Romans celebrated that as the birthday of the sun. We're not talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the physical sun, uh, uh, our solar system sun. And so they would celebrate that as a, a pagan holiday for that, and a lot of drunkenness and debauchery was going on, um, excessive eating and drinking, singing in the streets while naked, uh, all those things sinful. Uh, Gift-giving, well, that's fine. There, there's nothing sinful about that, uh, unless it's a sinful gift, I suppose. Um, also, here's another thing I, I read about uh, involving Saturnalia. Each household would elect a head mischief-maker for the week, and he would cause all kinds of trouble in the household, which I, I thought I thought that was very interesting. Um, I, guess is that, I guess that's where the whole, I guess you've seen some of the elf on the, on the shelf. Yeah. I guess kind of, sort of, in, in kind of a, uh, a way that it kind of evolved into that, maybe. Um, and here's another really interesting one. Uh, people would run through the streets, and they would yell, yo, 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 uh, which in, in the Greek, it's it's I-O, or uh, Iota, uh, Omicron. It's been a while since I've studied the Greek, but um, I think if, if you look at that uh, in the Greek, it can say, Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Isn't that familiar? So, anyways, there's lots of little origin stories that we could talk about with Christmas. We could talk about some uh, historical inaccuracies as well. Um, you know, especially with the date, you know, people say, well, uh, December 21st, 25th, that's his birthday. Well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Um, in fact, a commentator, Adam Clark, a uh, very well-known commentator, he wrote that the birth of Christ has been placed by various sects uh, and learned men in every month of the year. Uh, we simply don't know. Um, and it's said that Constantine, uh, I believe, is the one who shifted uh, Christmas or, or Christ Mass uh, to its religious celebration rather than the pagan uh, debaucherous celebration uh, that it used to be. So that's kind of the, the origin story. Um, and certainly we wouldn't want to celebrate Christmas uh, in pagan ways. But at the same time, how many people do we know who are celebrating Christmas in pagan ways? I don't think I know anybody that celebrates it in a pagan way. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm thankful that people are thinking about Christ uh, in December. Um, and me personally, I'm not going to jump down their throat and be like, well, actually, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, I'm thankful that they're thinking about him. And I think we need to, because I think it's kind of counterproductive if I'm like, well, actually, you know, um, 
I think we need to convert people to Christ and then kind of worry about those sorts of things later on down the road as they're growing in their biblical yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and what I generally try to do with, with Christmas and with Easter is, you know, is look at them as, you know, there's a lot of people who don't normally think about religious things at all. Right. Who at this time of year are, okay, let's perhaps, perhaps, there's the potential for a lot more open doors with people. Yep. Um, to think about and talk about these things. So, yeah, I'm with you, and that's how I try to approach it, is view it as, I mean, a golden opportunity that, you know, you, you don't get every day. Right. Um, you know, and perhaps use that as an opportunity to really draw people's attention back to stuff that actually really matters. You know, instead of, you know, their thoughts are normally on everything else in the world. Right. You know, around those certain times of year, their thoughts, at least for maybe a few moments, drift toward God. Right. Um, or at least what they've conjured up in their mind God is and try to point them back to, here's who the Bible says God is, here's who the Bible says Jesus is, and here's how we should respond to who he is. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, the origin stories for these holidays are very interesting. And ultimately, I try to use them as a springboard to hopefully move people's minds in the right direction. Right. Well, you, you know, you mentioned it's a golden opportunity. Um, during these times of year, seeing these golden opportunities that are before us as people are thinking about Christ, the last thing I want to do, and, and it's quite counterproductive, is, is be like, well, actually, and then, you know, turn them away. You know, well, I'm a Christian here, but I'm going to show you just how smart I am. And I think we need to be thankful that we're that people are thinking about Christ. Um, we want to speak the truth uh, regarding these, these subjects, uh, but we don't want to just kind of browbeat them over their their inaccuracies that they have in their mind over these subjects as well. Uh, we want to use the opening that we have to hopefully, you know, have a Bible study with somebody, uh, convert people to Christ, and then we can teach them about the inaccuracies later. Yeah, right. So, well, um, so we've kind of talked about these various holidays, and we, we want to transition to the Christian response to these holidays. Jameson, in your notes, you quote from, uh, I believe, Brother Wayne Jackson uh, that says, a practice may have originated under certain circumstances, but, and you want to you kind of finish that and, and comment on that? Yeah, he says uh, in his article, which folks can find on his website, ChristianCourier.com, I think the article is titled, May Christians Observe Holidays. Um, and yeah, in that article, it's pretty short. Um, he says, a practice may have originated under certain circumstances, but eventually have lost that significance, either in whole or at least significantly. There is Bible precedent for dealing with this principle, and he mentions the example is in 1 Corinthians, meat offered to idols. Um, in 1 Corinthians 8, Verse 1 through 3, Paul basically makes the point is, you know, look, you know, this meat 
offered to these idols, and now, uh, basically, I think my understanding is it would be offered, given to the priests or given to these idols, and then it would be taken and sold in the market. And so these Christians are essentially coming up to this market, and they, hey, here's this meat that, you know, was maybe given this morning to this priest to some idol god, and now it's being sold. You know, Paul says that, you know, the meat is fine to eat. You know, it's fine to buy that and take it home and eat it uh, by someone who knows, you know, an idol is nothing. Right. Uh, however, if eating the meat was going to harm a less mature Christian's conscience, then Paul says refrain from eating the meat in that setting. You know, if, if it's maybe, you know, your brother or your sister who used to maybe worship at that temple and because of coming out of that background, maybe they've got a serious problem with that. You know, hey, you know, don't, don't buy this meat and cook it for them. Right. I mean, you know, have them over for that meal. You, you know, don't, don't do something that's going to make them stumble. You know, there's probably meat you could go buy that's not offered to my people. Right. Um, you know, so, and that's this principle. You, you know, that, uh, that principle that he had said in our article then, and that applying that to these holidays, I think we can, and he does apply, apply that to holidays. Um, you know, perhaps originally these things originated as worship to idol gods, but now over time, it's changed. Right. And, and you know, Easter is no longer about some pagan idolatrous practice anymore. Right. Um, so, and we have, as he said, biblical precedent for dealing with now. And he also mentions that our closing we've talked about, uh, there's certainly no, we certainly cannot practice things in matters of religion that we have no authority to do. Um, the Bible does not give us, uh, free reign to just practice whatever you want in religion. Right. Um, but this is dealing with matters of, Right. And and Paul emphasized that Christians cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons in First Corinthians yeah. ten twenty one. You, you kinda of wanna comment on that? Yeah, yeah. Well and there he's uh just a few chapters later in that same book, he's reminding them that Paul is reminding the Christians there in Corinth that they can't worship God and worship idols. You you can't do both. Um to practice Christmas, Easter, or Halloween, make a pulling this to today, religiously, is to do something that we have no authority to do. You know, in matters of religion, God has uh, told us all that we need to do and right. all that we need to know. Um, you know, thinking about practicing them religiously would look, you know, look something like, you know, well, today or tonight we're going to have our special you know, Christmas worship service. Right. Well, we don't have any authority in Scripture to do that. Right. Uh, You know, there's no authority in Scripture. It's like, okay, this, you know, Tuesday is Christmas Day. We're going to have a special worship service. We're going to have a little supper, you know, all the kind of trimmings that go along with that. And it's like, we don't have any authority to do that. Right. them as a cultural custom, you know, you think about Christmas, maybe putting up a tree or, you 
you know, Easter hunting Easter eggs or at Halloween trick-or-treating, you know, those fall under matters of personal judgment. You're not practicing it religiously. You're not worshiping idols. You know, these are cultural customs. Um, so that, that's something for people to think about, you know. And, and while all three of the holidays we're talking about are rooted in other religions, uh, that's kind of where they, I guess, grow out of many, many, many years ago. We've already seen that a practice can lose its original significance. Right. And I think that's the case with this holiday. It, it, they no longer mean what they used to mean. Right. Um, especially as connected to the pagan side of it. Um, there's certainly very little, if any, tied to that anymore at all. Well, you, you even think about uh, the calendar, uh, the months, the the days of the week uh, named after gods. I mean, uh, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, named after the, the god of the sun. Monday, the god of the moon. Uh, Wednesday, Woden's day. Uh, Thursday, Thor's day. Saturday, Saturn, you know, uh, and planets. I mean, are we sending when we use the term Jupiter to describe a planet? Well, no. I mean... Was that term describing well, a pagan even, god? Uh, if, if I remember right, in that same article, my brother, uh, my brother Wayne Jackson, he even mentioned that celebrating birthdays has is rooted in paganism. Huh. Um, Valentine's Day is rooted in paganism. I mean, it's like this, and, and you know, he just pointed out, you know. Folks are listening. I don't know what your thoughts on these things are, but he, he points out the need to be consistent. Right. You know, if, if we're not going to have anything at all to do with Christmas, you know, we're not even the tree of you know, any of that out of our conscience sake. I mean, okay, that's fine, but let's be consistent. That also means then you don't need to celebrate your birthday. You don't need to celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, I mean, there needs to be some consistency used. Right. So I would encourage folks, you know, think about this and then be consistent. Right. Um, because if, if you're not consistent, um, then, then I'm afraid at some point what you're going to find is you're violating, you're going to violate your conscience somewhere along the way. Right. If you're not going to be consistent. Absolutely. Um, but for, for conscience sake, be consistent. Right. Well, speaking so of conscience, say, go I'm ahead. pretty sure if you violate your conscience, you sin. Right. And we're going to get into that next. And you know, speaking of conscience, in Romans 14 and Colossians 2, uh, these issues come into play. And and for the subject today, for these holidays, uh, you mentioned first in, in your outline, Colossians 2 verse 16. Would you like to comment on that?
Right. You know, it's like if you went from one country to another, you know, uh, the laws of the United States, you're no longer bound by those laws. You now live in Canada or you now live in Germany or whatever, you know. Both of the laws are now fighting. So, and he, then he makes the point, verse 16, so since the law of Moses has been taken out of the way, we're no longer under that law, Christians are not sinning if they do not keep those feasts and those holy days that we talked about back at the beginning. You know, it's, if a if a Christian, you know, a Christian was not obligated in any sense to keep the Passover, you know, or to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, because that law had been taken out of the way. So part of it was, is I think, on one hand, don't don't feel like you have to do this, but also don't let anyone convince you that you have to because you don't. Um. But anyway, yeah, that's just kind of the thoughts I had on that in Colossians two. Um, right, and um, in verse verse sixteen, there in Colossians two, it says, "So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ." He's saying, uh, for instance, let's say a Jew converts to Christ. Let's say his family doesn't, and in order to not, you know, to still have somewhat of a shot of trying to convert the rest of his family to Christ, he makes the judgment call to go ahead and continue to celebrate the Passover, the Feast of Booths, etc. And he would not be sinning in doing that. But at the same time, someone cannot uh, command that you have to celebrate those Old Testament ordinances because those were technically nailed to the cross. Uh, And the Judaizers would say that you, you could and should command those things, but they would actually be sinning in doing that. Yeah, right. And if our listeners are... are kind of to, I just will say, like you mentioned, it's kind of to protect that person, but also to, you know, prevent, you know, basically trying to bind the law of Moses along with the law of Christ. Right. And if our listeners are confused as far as, you know, the difference between the laws, uh, you may be wondering, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, in Jer- Jeremiah 31, verse 31, God did promise a new covenant would come. Well, Jesus brought that new covenant. He fulfilled uh, the law of Moses, and he brought about the law, his law, the law of Christ. You can read other passages, uh, such as really the entire book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians, the book of Romans, Second Corinthians chapter 3. There's lots of passages in the New Testament that make it very clear uh, here in Colossians chapter 2, that uh, the old law, the Old Testament, was in fact done away. And so we cannot bind, uh, and, and we're flat out not under the old law, the law of Moses. We're not under that anymore. Therefore, we can't bind any of those Old Testament ordinances, such as these festivals. Right. Okay, so we kind of talk about Colossians 2. What about Romans chapter 14? In fact, I think here in my notes I quote, uh, I think I quote Brother Wayne Jackson again. Yeah, that same article I mentioned earlier. Um, He says in Romans 14, Paul argues the general proposition that there will be different levels of knowledge among brethren, which which makes sense. I mean, you know, different backgrounds, you know, someone 
know, they were, they're a Jew, they've known the Old Testament the whole life, and they, and they, they convert to Christ, well, okay, they bring all that knowledge with them. Right. You know, you've also got a, a Gentile, you know, maybe somebody who grew up in Greece, and they've been a pagan their whole life. They worship idols. They know very little about the Old Testament. Right. Well, there is obviously vastly different levels of knowledge between those two. Uh, and he says, and that to a certain extent, these, these different levels of knowledge must be accommodated for the sake of Christian unity. Uh, for example, he says, some out of conviction chose not to eat meat. Specifically there, that's once again talking about meat offered idols. Others see nothing wrong with such a practice. And he goes on to say that the apostle, uh, Paul, instructs that neither individual, uh, the one who uh, refuses to eat the meat offered idols or the one that sees nothing wrong with it, both of those parties, uh, neither is to set at naught the other. Uh, no man is to create a law in areas of expediency, uh, in areas of, you know, the idea of judgment or opinion, and then demand that all others submit to what they think. Right. Um, he says, uh, if an overt act of transgression is not the issue, peace, peace must prevail. Then, if that's not the case. Right. Uh, and I think, I mean, that really sums it up. I mean, like you said, we're not talking about, you know, this isn't, you know, so-and-so thinks, you know, it's, you know, it's okay to commit adultery, so-and-so thinks it's not. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. Right. We're talking about matters of judgment, matters of opinion, matters of expediency. Um, and, and in those matters, we have no right to say, um, this is how it's going to be, and all must bow to my wishes. Right. Um, now, now, the elders of a certain, you know, the elders of a, a congregation, won't get into this too much, but they do have the authority from God to, to, uh, I guess, make calls in judgment, and the congregation should submit to them in those areas. Right. Um, you know, an example might be the elders decide we're going to meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Well, uh, they could have picked any time on Sunday. But they chose that. It's the flock's responsibility, the congregation's obligation to submit to them in that case. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, then what would not be able to happen would be, say, okay, 10 o'clock is the official time for the brotherhood to worship God, and anyone who does not worship at 10 o'clock is in sin. Right. Or, you know, you're, you're not one of us. It's like, okay. That is I suppose this is an extreme example, but I think that illustrates what's going on here and what Paul is cautioning both sides against. Yeah, um, we might use the word scruples. Um, yeah. You know, Paul uses the term faith in this context in Romans 14. He's talking about uh, when he says the one who has the weaker faith. Uh, the weaker knowledge, if you will, the the weaker uh, opinion. Well, we as Christians, uh, with those particular scruples in mind, we have the responsibility 
to not be a stumbling block uh, to that weaker brother. Right. Now, at that same, um, on that same token, the weaker brother shouldn't try to, you know, hold everybody else hostage either, though. Right. You know, it's basically both of you treat the other as you would want to be treated. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it, and it, it works both ways in that. Um, yeah, when it, when it comes to matters of personal judgment, when it comes to these matters of opinion, scruples, we might call it, we need to be very careful of our attitude towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, um, I was using kind of an extreme example um, earlier. Uh, now, maybe let's think of a bit more practical one. This is 2020, a, a current day example. Um, I know, um, you know, churches before have been split and, and angry words have been said and, you know, People, you know, relationships split, never more to come back together. And most of the time over matters that are simply personal judgment. Right. Um, thinking about 2020, uh, I won't say the name of it, but I know at least one congregation that is having massive problems over, you know, wearing masks or not wearing masks. Right. And it's like, ultimately, at the end of the day, that is a Romans 14 issue. Yep. I mean, it, it you know, whatever your thoughts are on it, uh, treat the other side of that as you would want to be treated. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, so that is a... That is a current day, I understand that's not holidays, we won't get into it, but kind of along that line with holidays, there are, there are certainly parts of holidays that we've talked about, that you and I both agree, it's like we cannot be involved in that. Right. We can't do that as Christians. But there are also aspects of those things that are judgment issues. Right. And whatever our judgment is on that, we need to be understanding and we need to as Jesus said in Matthew 7 7 12 uh, we need to do unto others as we would have them do unto us even people that on these matters of opinion that think differently than we do you know we can't be drawing lines where God has not drawn them uh, we can't be erasing lines where God has drawn them um, and so I, I think when it comes down to this stuff to me, anyway, in studying for this and thinking about this, the takeaway is my attitude towards my brothers and sisters in Christ very much matters, um, even in matters of opinion and judgment. Right. The way that I think about them, the way that I treat them, that matters tremendously to God. Um, what a shame if the, the reason someone loses their soul is because of their attitude towards someone over a matter of opinion. Yep. I mean, that would be an incredible shame that that is what costs that person their soul. Um, an opinion. Couldn't get along with the brother. Um, 
so just kind of just kind of drawing my thoughts to close. I'm sure you got some other things you want to throw in there too. You know, our attitude towards our brethren really matters. Absolutely. Um, and that's something I just wanted to emphasize uh, to listeners. Is, you know, if it's a matter of judgment, be very, very careful how you think of the folks who are on the other side of that matter of judgment. Um, because it matters. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you bringing in the, the golden rule there in uh, Matthew 7, verse 12. Certainly, we've got to treat others uh, not as they have treated us, necessarily, but as we want to be treated. And sometimes I think we want to uh, reverse that in our minds and say, well, I'm going to treat them how they treated me, and they treated me bad. Well, no, that's not what the golden rule says. It says treat others uh, as you would want them to treat you. I'd like to kind of sum up, you know, all of this up as far as our attitude, uh, you know, in dealing with these judgment calls, uh, Romans 14, Colossians 2, uh, 1 Corinthians 8. Uh, I want to sum this up with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all, and here's a key, lowliness and gentleness, so humility, uh, meekness towards one another. Um, and then he says, with long-suffering, so patience toward one another, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, working hard to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we follow those verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, uh, then we're going to get it right when we, we deal with these matters of opinion uh, about holidays, about politics, uh, about the mask issue. I mean, you name it, uh, a matter of opinion. Uh, if we deal with one another as fellow Christians in that way, uh, then we're going to get it right. appreciate you uh, joining me for the, the podcast today, Jameson. It's been very good, and hopefully we've been of help uh, as we kind of try to work our way through these these judgment calls uh, in regard to holidays. Uh, as a reminder, and we'll put this down in the show notes, don't forget about Jameson's podcast, uh, Asking God Why. Don't forget about Finding Jesus Today with both Jameson uh, and Drew Suttles, who we had on last week. Uh, community messenger, you have that as well too, don't you, Jameson? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a website. I think it's just community messenger. I think it's community the communitymessenger dot com. I think uh, there's also a Facebook page. Folks can find it there. Just different articles. Um, 
geared towards really geared towards trying to reach people who are lost in the world, um, and really just trying to get them to hopefully catch their attention in less than a few moments uh, to read relatively short articles um, from the Word of God. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's something else as well. Right. So uh, certainly lots of good good work that Jameson's putting in for the kingdom and. They're in uh, Smithville, is that right? That's right. Smithville, uh, Mississippi as well. And I know that you're a valuable resource and um, doing a great job there uh, for the church there as well. So definitely appreciate you and uh, glad that we met uh, in preaching school and also glad that we're going to get to work together on Scattered Abroad too. That's uh, something I'm really looking forward to. Yep. Well, good deal. Well, uh, we do appreciate Jameson for joining us for this episode, and we appreciate you, the listener, for joining us for this podcast episode as well. Lord willing, we hope that you'll join us next week on the Everyday Christian Podcast.